0: Hey y'all, and welcome to the latest episode of the Black Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Castillo, and let's get started. And welcome back to the podcast. Like I said, I'm your host, Jordan Castillo, and... <laughs> I've been missing for a while y'all I've been having I don't know other life events going on that and my recording software wasn't working but the main issue really was I've been putting off this interview for a while because I don't know didn't didn't know how to research for it Um, today I'm going to be talking to my friend Joy about growing up in Nigeria as a Mormon her journey to, um, Islam and how being non-binary is tied up into all of that. So if that sounds like something that you're interested in, keep listening. Okay. Um, so I'd like to welcome my guest Joy. Hi Joy. Do you want to say something about yourself before we get into it?
1: Yeah. Hi everyone. Um, my name is Joy. I live in DC currently and I'm from Nigeria.
0: Okay, cool. So, um, our mutual friend, Hannah, was telling me that you grew up Mormon in Nigeria, and I was doing some research about Mormonism and how it started in Utah with, like, these random white people. Um, so I just kind of wanted to know the history of how Mormonism, like, came to Nigeria, because there's a lot of Mormons in Nigeria.
1: I actually have no idea what the exact <laughs> process was, um, but I can not tell you what their model is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what they do is they have there's this mandate they feel to go out to the world and spread God's gos- gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that looks like missionaries taking if you're a man, you take two years out of your life to go serve God and like spread the gospel wherever. Um, and if you're a woman, you take a year and six months, um, eighteen months. Mm -hmm. to serve god in that way um and so i assume that somebody somewhere decided that nigeria was where they (sighs) were to go to spread the gospel of jesus christ and it definitely you know has racist connotations to it if we're being very honest um Mm -hmm. we probably looked at nigerians as uncivilized and all these other things and we have to go civilize the um, the Africans. We have to go civilize the Nigerians. So let's go. Savages,
0: colonizers love that word. Savages. Um, so what was it like? I mean, what was it like being black and Mormon? I know that in Nigeria the whole black experience is way different than mm-hmm. here in America. But what was it like to be a part of um to be a part of that religion and be black?
1: I'll um I was born into the church. I can go a little bit Um, backwards to talk about how my parents entered it Um, I don't have the exact story but I know that in 1993 which was the year they got married um, and the year that my older brother was born they both decided that this church was like where they felt closest to God
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and my mom didn't grow up Mormon and my father didn't grow up Mormon so they converted that year uh, and I was born into, I was born in 1996. And I really, I didn't even realize that like it was anything like black and Mormon and that it was like, weird is in the word, like different for a very, very long time. It was just the thing that I was and the thing that I did. And like, mm-hmm. I just went to church on Sunday, um, but I went to this church on Sunday um, and I didn't understand the historical context of blackness in that space and like the Mormon space. Um, yeah. So I pretty much was just like, cool. We're like, yeah. We're about God. I'm Christian. Yeah. I go to church. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until like much later in life when I got my social justice awakening that I was like, wait a second, something is off here. What is going on?
0: Uh, yeah. That I feel like that happens to a lot of us in Christianity, just overall in general, just being black and Christian and just being like, um, hello? Like, just everything just isn't, isn't correct. So like, how old were you? Like around, around how old were you when, um, when you had that realization, that social justice awakening, as you call it?
1: I was 17. It was after I had immigrated to the United States. Um, and it was the summer of 2013. And I was—I it was the first time in my entire life that I recognized that the world's inequity was man-made, um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like something that God created. And so, because it was man-made, but like a lot of the things that I knew to be true were not true, and I had to let's see that. a lot of the things I knew to be true were not true, and I had to figure out what um, figure out what that meant. But I will. Say and like so, yours, sorry, go ahead. I will say that the first time that I recognized that something was off with, um, with Christianity or like my religion as being Mormon was when I was eight. So when you're eight, it's supposed to be the age of accountability. And, um, once you turn eight, you get baptized. And from that point forward, you're responsible for your own sins. Um, before that, it's supposed to be like your sins are on your parents because they should have been like teaching you well and raising the right, whatever that means. Um, And so I got baptized when I was eight and I was supposed to give a testimony in sacrament, which is like the big church gathering of everyone in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was supposed to give a testimony of how like I feel like I don't even know what I was supposed to feel because I didn't feel anything, right? I just got baptized <laughs> and I got put in water and, and I came out and it was supposed to be, I guess it was supposed to be like an awakening of like, yes, I'm I'm accountable for my actions, and yes, God like lives in me and all these other things. And I was just kind of like, I don't have a testimony to give. And so the bishop, who's the um would be the person overseeing the church, the branch that I was in, actually wrote my testimony for me it's so I just said what he wrote and I was like yeah that works
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's really interesting to to put so much on someone at like eight years old though it's just like like in my um in my religion I mean I didn't get baptized until I was I want to say 13 mm-hmm. and it was like we had gone through like bible studies and like we made the decision at the end to like whether or not we wanted to get baptized, but what, um, were there any like other, Oh, how do I ask this question? Are there any other things in the Mormon church where it's like, by this time you're doing this, by this time you're doing that, like any rules that you have to accomplish milestones that you have to accomplish within Mormonism?
1: Wow. It's actually so interesting that you say that you went through Bible study and you went through all these other things. Um, I actually don't think that we went through Bible study, really yeah i think it was literally just like you turned eight and you should get baptized (laughs) because you're eight years old and it'd be like who in the church is eight years old it's time for your baptism huh okay (laughs) but um yes so like when you're the church is like divided into a bunch of groups Mm. and so you have like the big church which is where everyone gathers for sacrament
0: hi jordan here just taking a quick pause in the interview to um provide a little more information sacrament is just what latter-day saints or mormons uh, call their church services i feel like it's a little obvious from context but um just wanted to provide a little more information because it is something that i looked up during the interview <laughs> okay back to the interview
1: and then when depending on your age group you fall into like primary primary you fall into relief society so primary would be for like yeah eight years old around that age group, 8, 10. Um, religious Society is for, like, women who turn, once you turn 18, you have young women, which is from 11 to, which is from 11 to, till you turn 18. No, it's mm. from 13 till you turn 18, but don't quote me on those numbers. <laughs> um, and so I turned eight, I was in primary, and then I graduated to, I graduated to, um, young women and then I graduated to Relive Society and then there's also Bible study in a way it's supposed to be like the institute that everyone's supposed to go through when you're like 16, 17, 18 and mm-hmm. it's a bunch of classes you take during the week um, over a couple of weeks and you basically do Bible study with a group of people but I also didn't really understand what that meant. I just knew that I was supposed to go to class Um, about once a week for a couple of weeks and do this course with a bunch of other people but it's really interesting that I I got lucky Uh, I don't even know if lucky is the word but (laughs) I didn't have to do that because and I know part of it plays into um, my socioeconomic standing in Nigeria Mm -hmm. and so I like had less than teachers and I was like you can't go to (laughs) you can't go to um, Bible study if I have to like do homework and do all these other things. My mom would not have it, mm-hmm. and sometimes they met like really early in the morning, and my mom would be like, or basically, without seeing me, the decision of like you're not waking up at six a.m. to go to Bible study, um, in an area where you don't live in, and it's like not in your house or anything. Mm-hmm. And so my mom didn't really force me or push on me like any of those things. Um, and by the time it got to a point where it was like, okay, cool. You could do Bible study. You could probably go around by yourself now.
0: I like left the country and never looked back. <laughs> so were you, um, so you said you moved to America when you were 17 or you immigrated um, when you were 17. And did you guys continue um, in Mormonism, like your family? Um, did you guys find a Mormon church here? And like, what was that experience like? Well, you didn't answer my question. So maybe let me slow down. Um, did you guys find a Mormon church here?
1: So I moved. I actually moved when I was 16. Um, mm. And I moved by myself. Which, oh. yeah, also low mid high key lucky because who was there to force me to go to church, right? <laughs> like, and I was in boarding school. And so the process of even signing out to go somewhere was too much stress and like too difficult. Mm. Um, and there would be no, there was no one to actually like, come pick me up and go. But I remember looking up the church, but it wasn't even in, so I went to Milton Academy and Milton Academy is in the town of Milton. And there wasn't a church in Milton. So it wasn't a matter of like, I could just go and walk and go somewhere. Somebody had to come get me. And I'm not sure that I reached out to someone. I eventually did. Mm -hmm. I believe my, maybe my, either my junior spring or senior fall. But more likely junior spring. But by t- Because by the time I got to senior year, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> um, and my mom wasn't also like, we're finding your church and you're going to go. And we're going to organize someone to go. Which is also like part of the culture of the church is that they'll come pick you up wherever you are. And they'll get someone to bring you back to the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But my mom wasn't so big on that. Um, but I was also going through other things, so I can imagine why she wasn't so interested in me or she wasn't particular about me, like going to church.
0: I get that. That makes sense. Um, so you're in a different country, you're at boarding school, you're not being made to go to church, nor are you like seeking it out. What made you, um, seek a different religion at all? Like, why didn't you just like be like, OK, well, because I feel like most people are just like I'm I grew up Christian and now I'm not Christian anymore. I'm just mm-hmm. like I'm more spiritual than religious. Like I feel like a lot of people are on that. <laughs> but um you actually sought out um, Islam, which is very interesting to me, like that that jump. So like what led you to seek out a, a new religion?
1: Uh, let's see. post Social justice awakening, it was the point where I started to question everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to question my religion. At this time, I was also like severely depressed. And I was just, I was so angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry that I was depressed. I was angry that like God or this God had a power to change things and fix inequity. But this God didn't. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the heck is this? So I drew away from religion for a while. Um, and I was just like you know what like it is what it is
0: I'm spiritual I was one of those people (laughs) (laughs) honestly it's a self-drag because I'm still one of those people (laughs) so
1: I feel that I feel that and so I was spiritual but like the fundamental my fundamental issues were not being addressed like I was still severely depressed I was out of that Milton space and I went to college um I went to Spelman and I still wasn't happy and I still was taking on the worries of the world Mm -hmm. and so i was just like what is this everything is spiraling um and at some point i decided that you know okay cool we have to believe in something bigger than ourselves like this world is too terrible to like be stuck in the world and be of the world and there has to be some supernatural power and so i thought let me give this mormon thing a try again um and then i i like i didn't even know if i started i I, I, I think I did a little bit and I was just kind of like highly inappropriate. Like, no, like this church is racist. Um, They literally, one of the things that blows my mind is that, okay, so if you're a man in the church, you're supposed to at some point be worthy enough to hold the priesthood and holding the priesthood gives you this ability to bless people and be like, god's vessel on earth and god's like power in human form something like that um and it's supposed to be given to like every man every young man every like older man who is deemed worthy
0: mm-hmm. but they didn't so allow do you know how they uh how they do that pro- like who do they deem worthy like what are the requirements
1: you're supposed to go through like some sort of be like active in the church you're meant to like be close to God, have a relationship with God and someone somewhere is, supposed, I think like your bishop or something will have some sort of revelation that, you know, it's you're ready and it's your time. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've seen it happen that way. I've seen that happen where like once you usually like new members who are older, new male members will get it because for them to become a member, you have to have develop that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um and so this, damn, I lost my train of thought.
0: Uh, you were talking about how, well, it sounded like you were leading up to, they don't allow certain types of people oh, to join the yes. priesthood.
1: Yes. Okay. And so it's supposed to be like for every young man and every like male person in the church. And mm-hmm. then I found out that until like the 80s they didn't let black people hold this because they didn't think black people were like worthy of holding this priesthood that's supposed to be divine and from god and i like the 1980s yes no (laughs) no quote me on that number but like for something like that to be out there what is going on like that for me was absolutely ridiculous and they only changed their policies and i'm sure it's because of like movement builders in the church who said what do you mean you can't let black people like hold the priesthood and it's still the same turbulence that's happening right now around um the lgbtq community and lgbtq members in the church and i was just like this isn't of god absolutely not god does not decide or god does not discriminate between who's worthy and who's not worthy God says to love everybody and you don't get to like interpret God's word to suit your political preferences. And so I was just like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't think this is for me. And then at that point too, I was just like, it's religion, right? Like I was like, okay, I'll just pick and choose parts that I enjoy and do that. Because I'm not gonna lie, like some of your principles make a ton of sense. Like one of them talks about like not smoking and not drinking and like working out and like not eating a lot of red meat. Like those are like basic like mm-hmm. life principles to live by. Um and they also talk about like not dating till you're 16. And that's a real too because the emotional burden that comes with like dating somebody
0: else at a young age, especially when you like fall deeply in love and you're just kind of like,
1: what is happening?
0: Oh my, my gosh. Yes. Like, and okay, then cool. crushes are so intense when you're young. Like I feel like that's that's sensible advice. I get right, it. Right.
1: Exactly. And so those things made sense. And I was just like, okay, I like that part of it. I'm gonna do that part of it. And then I was like, joy, it's literally a religion. Religion is like all or nothing on some level, like you can't pick and choose the parts that are like, life principles, and then ignore the like fundamental precepts of the <laughs> church. Like, that's not how that works. And so I was like, okay, forget it. I'm not Mormon anymore. And I don't think that I ever said it out loud or I ever said it out loud at that point where I was just like, yeah, I don't think I'm Mormon anymore. I I was really just like, I'm more interested in cultivating my relationship with God, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did that. But at the root of it, I was still pretty unhappy. um, And I was still severely depressed. And... 2016 happened I was organizing throughout this time I've been organizing since 2013 when I had my social justice awakening and 2016 happened and Trump got elected and I felt like the world was like spinning out of control and I was like what is this but I was fine right because I was going away to Senegal the next semester for study abroad and I was just like I'm gonna deal with all of that when I get back right now I'm not (laughs) going to and so I went to Senegal and Senegal is a predominantly Muslim country Mm-hmm. And I don't even think that I realized that it was a predominantly Muslim country until I got there. I was just kind of like, yeah, Senegal, the beach. Uh, absolutely. I deserve it. <laughs> um, and so I got to Senegal. And being a predominantly Muslim country, everything does follow Islam. So on Fridays during Juma, Juma's is about around one o'clock. Everything shuts down in the city. And I was like, wow, that's kind of wild, but that's cool. But
0: is that, um, sorry, just real quick. Is that like a, um, a worship service or. Yeah.
1: So Juma would be the equivalent of like Sunday service,
0: Okay. Um, but it
1: happens on Fridays, usually like 1, 2 PM, depending Mm -hmm. on where you are. Um, and so that would happen. And like the entire time I was in the country, like I really wasn't moved spiritually to like do anything or be anything or want to learn more about anything um but I did know fundamentally that I was very unhappy Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't until I came back from Senegal or actually let me rewind a little while I was in Senegal I was just telling my partner this the other day um while I was in Senegal um because everything shuts down on Fridays during Juma they um our professors are people would always tell us like make sure that you're where you need to be before one o'clock or you will not like find a taxi to take you anywhere Mm -hmm. and me and my friend knew this but I wanted cake I wanted orange cake um (laughs) and it was like at this cafe that was like close to a central mosque and I was just like I'm gonna go I don't care so we went to um this cafe and she left a little bit before me and ended up like getting a cab And so I was leaving and it was like around 1 p.m. And I was just like, dang, Joy, like the one thing we said not to do. And you really came here because of some cake, bruh. Like, really? (laughs) And I was like, whatever. But I eventually got a cab to take me back to where I was staying. And we passed the central mosque. And I remember looking at the people. They had spilled from the mosque into the streets. And there were Mm -hmm. no cars but like my taxi, like rolling down the road. And people were lined up next to each other. Like, they knew each other. They were in each other's personal space. And I was just like, what is this? But they were praying, right? And mm-hmm. they were so connected to each other, yet absolutely, like, connected to God. Like, mm-hmm. you, they didn't know each other. They probably didn't know each other. But it was ridiculous for me to see people so connected to each other without actually knowing each other, yet actually really only connected to their thought. And I yeah. was like, whoa, wait a second, what is that? And I was like, that's wild. Like that's the connection I'm looking for. Because I'm obsessed with building community. I'm obsessed with connecting with people. Um and I'm obsessed with like creating that feeling of safety. And that was literally what I felt looking at them. But then mm. I was like, oh that's cool. And then I was like, ah, eh, whatever, cool, whatever. <laughs> And so that was like really the only experience in Senegal where I was just like, wow, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And when I got back um, from Senegal, I went straight to a summer program. And during the summer program or right before the summer program, I made a decision. I said, Joy, you have to get your life together. You deserve to be more than depressed. You deserve to be more than unhappy with your life. Like you need to fix this. You need to figure out what this is connection you're missing what is missing from your life and so I was like okay cool this create Christianity Christian
0: and this is where Joyce Phone died <laughs> um we're gonna get back to the next part but it might not make sense it might not flow just because we had to get back into the rhythm okay back to the interview okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay we're back <laughs> uh let's see and so when I got back, I decided that I was going to figure it out, and I didn't think that Christianity was the way for me to do it, because I was far too angry with Christianity in whatever form it came in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially because it's so politicized in the United States, yeah, and it's literally used as a weapon to, like, disenfranchise people. And I was yeah. like, okay, cool, let's read the Quran and see what this is saying. And I started reading, and I read a page a day, and I was like, wow, by the second surah. Um, and I don't remember what exactly it is. I literally, but I remember what it says. It was like, to Allah, we belong, and to Allah, we will return. And mm. I think I started crying. It was mm. the first time in either a really long time or an ever where I felt like, I didn't have to carry the weight of the world. And first mm-hmm. of all, who told me to carry the weight of the world? Nobody but Joy. But Joy internalizes everything.
0: But it was the I first feel like of- that also is like just being a black woman, you know, we just
1: right.
0: carry the weight of the world. It's a whole different discussion, but like it's common. It's a common really. feeling.
1: No, yeah, exactly. Um and, but in that moment I felt I felt not in control, and I felt like I had given up control, which is something that I'm still working on.
0: Mm-hmm. But it
1: felt good to know that, you know, in the end, through all of this, it's Allah will go back to you, whatever that looks like.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: once I read that, I was like, yep, this is it. I'm hooked. Um, <laughs> and I kept reading until I finished, and it was it was amazing. And it was amazing to, like, read more beyond the Quran. And realized that it didn't have all of these rules that you can get to follow. It was like five fundamental rules. And that was what made you a Muslim. And I was like, what is this? Like, where's the rest of like don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that? Um,
0: and it was like, if you hey. still um remember, what are those five fundamental rules?
1: The first is that you had to declare Allah as like Allah and say that Muhammad is his prophet, that's Shahada. And then you had to you're supposed to go to Mecca on pilgrimage, but you can like only if you can afford it. Obviously, if you can't afford it, don't spend money. And apparently (laughs) it costs a lot of money. Like Allah recognizes that you that's you your intention. Mm -hmm. Um, so you do that. The third one is to pray five um five times a day. And you're supposed to pray five times a day, and then you're supposed to give zakat which is what christians call it, your tie.
0: Mm-hmm. um
1: and then you're supposed to fast and that's usually during the month of ramadan uh and ramadan changes this year it's like in april may last year it was may june um and those are like literally the five things and i was like wait where's the rest of it what what is it <laughs> <laughs> um And now I recognize more and more, like, it is those five things fundamentally, right? And the rest of what you see in the world is people's interpretations of what you should be doing and all these other things. But literally, Allah says, if you follow these five things, like, you're good. And Mm. I said, this this is easy to follow, first of all. (laughs) And second of all, I, like, I feel this.
0: Yeah. um, Honestly, hearing you talk about it, like not being Muslim, hearing you talk about it, I also feel it, which is like, it's a very strange feeling to feel. Like mm-hmm. you like feeling your religion deeply. I don't know. It's nice.
1: It is. No, it is. It literally is. And it's beautiful because it's like, those five are like black and white, right? And the rest of it is a gray area that you're supposed to discover. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to figure out with you and God. And, you, and it's it's wild. It really encourages more for you to develop your relationship with God than you develop your relationship with an institution. that's yeah. a Proxy of God.
0: And it doesn't, it also doesn't seem like, well, these are the only things that you can do. Like you have to do it this way, um, exactly. in order to develop your relationship with God. Cause like, um, I grew up Seventh day Adventist and a lot of it was just like, okay, well what does me having like going, I went to church on Saturdays, um, mm-hmm. And I felt like if I went to church on Sundays, I was going to hell. I felt like if I had any piercings or tattoos, I was going to hell.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, it was
0: just so many different things that it's just like, well, what does this have to do with my relationship? And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of religions don't focus as much as on, on, uh, they don't focus as much on the relationship um, with the divine creator, whatever that looks like in your religion.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: don't know. That's really nice. That's really beautiful. Um, but what is your favorite part of Islam? It's like I don't know if you could pick a one. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's community. It's the Quran. It's community. It's prayer. Um, and but it's at the fundamental or at the crux of it. It's um, Islam is really about community and taking care of your community and taking care of yourself and your community and it's it's great it's great to see during Ramadan that people will get together and cook for an entire congregation um, to know that if you, like if you're poor if you're in anything like you don't have to worry about how people will look at you and how people will judge you you're literally just like come like it's fine we'll figure everything out and that for mm-hmm. me is it's beautiful obviously there's some there are different ways community shows up um and there are definitely like racial and colorist tensions within the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. But other people, one thing I've noticed that other people are quick to call out um, and be like, sister, like, that's not, that's not right. Like, you shouldn't act like that. Or like, brother, you shouldn't act like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So now I kind of want to, like, get more into... Well, actually let's kind of circle back on that so um what is it i mean you touched a little bit on like sometimes people are colorist or like whatever but what is it like to be black and muslim versus black and mormon to you
1: Mm -hmm. black and muslim i'm still figuring it out i really am i'm noticing like when i first converted It was a matter of, like, focusing on developing my relationship with God. So I wasn't Hmm. so, I wasn't seen, slash, I wasn't so interested in, like, what that looked like, in a sense. I was just like, okay, just keep building this relationship. You're finally in a good space. Keep going. Um, But lately, now that I've gotten deeper in this religion, I notice um, there's a single story, first of all that people don't even see black Muslims, right? Every time you think Mm. of Muslims, you think of um, Arabs, which is not true. And even in D.C., where I live now, um, I know that there are black Muslims, right? But they're not the predominant narrative. Every time that I've gone to... Every time I've gone to um, an event... I've gone to an event um, that focuses on Muslim, being Muslim, Islam in any way, or connected to the Muslim community. There's hardly any Black people. And it's kind of ridiculous slash hilarious because I don't know if they're not going because there aren't other Black people, but then other Black people aren't going because there aren't other Black people. And it's like, I know y'all y'all are out there, but I've just not accessed these spaces. And I know that y'all are just not in... Um, Y'all are just not in the general population. And so that's a problem for me. And it's a problem that a lot of the Muslim groups in D.C. are not more intentional of working through their Mm -hmm. anti-Blackness in their groups and in the religion. Mm,
0: Do you feel like you might be uh, being called to be the one to make that change?
1: (laughs) I don't know about all that. <laughs> um I don't not right now, no. I'm okay. more interested, like I see Islam as like safety. I'm not interested in organizing, building, no 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 no. I'm interested in enjoying the community purely and being surrounded by people who also um feel and want to develop their relationship with Allah. Um, I will admit that there are times where I'm like, oh, let's do something about this, and but I always very intentionally like, chewed myself down. I'm like, no, 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 joy, like, not right now.
0: And so, uh, for like the last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, I just wanted to know how you feel like your faith and your gender identity um, coincide, or like if you've ever felt a clash between those things. Um, how have you kind of like, I don't know, settled both of them, I guess, like come to terms with both more technical difficulties, um, back to the interview.
1: <laughs> and my, uh, uh, I'm sorry, what did you say? How my gender identity and my what?
0: And your faith. Um, how have they, have they clashed? Have they coincided? Cause, um. I just know that that's been a struggle for people who are, like, um, I mean, not of different gender identities, but of different, like, sexualities, like, coming to terms with their sexuality and the things that they believe in. Like, has that been an issue for you, coming to terms with your gender identity and your faith?
1: I actually don't think they conflict. Um, And for me, it hasn't conflicted. I identify as queer. I identify as being non-binary. Um, and it's really just the beauty of my relationship with Allah and my relationship to Islam is that I now am at peace knowing that Allah will take me for whomever and whatever I am. Mm -hmm. Um, Allah just says that, you know, if you follow those five things, you're a good person. You're in your good to people. Like, that's what you need, right? The rest of it is like noise, Of what people's interpretations and how they feel you should live and how they feel you should do all these other things. Um, And for me my relationship with Allah is good right and there are definitely moments where I'm just like oh my god Joy you need to be doing more and I definitely do need to be doing more and I want to do more but I I haven't felt like oh Allah hates me because of this. Allah does this because of this. Um, No. I'm just like, Allah's like, are you a good person, Joy? And I'm like, yes, I try to be every day. Sometimes I be (laughs) be acting (laughs) up sometimes. But, you know, Allah's like, your intention, right? And I will forgive you and we'll figure this out again and we'll try again tomorrow and we'll keep going. Mm -hmm. And it's a process. And that for me is really what I need right now. Um, And I'm okay with that.
0: So it's not about being like, the best person all the time but it's just kind of like are you trying your best like are you being exactly, good
1: to others? actually exactly and shout out to my friend Srika, who has like helps me with my journey And she consistently tells me she calls it a word in Arabic but I don't remember um but she would say like Nia is intention I believe and she says it's your intention it's like your consistent striving to be a better per- um, version of yourself Mm. Like yes, that's what I try to do every day.
0: That's beautiful.
1: Islam is it really is.
0: Um, well, those were really all the questions that I had for you. Um, I don't know if there was anything extra that you wanted to share with the people. Um, but that's all I've got.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. I think the only thing is that I want people to be more critical of the Islam they see in the news and to recognize that that's not what it is, right? Like, you should search for yourself. You should talk to Muslim people. Um, And it's easy to conflate, first of all, people with religion and to conflate religion and man's interpretation with God as with the way God wanted it. Mm-hmm. and so search for yourself um and don't believe even what another Muslim person tells you to an extent like it's all about you and your relationship if you are like seeing something you're like oh all Muslim people like the general narrative like Muslim people are are terrorists that's not true like that's not the religion
0: and it's um, also racist
1: exactly <laughs> exactly um If so, yeah, like figure things out, read some books, read the Quran and see what's up. Like you'll be surprised with what you learn. Um, But be open, most definitely. Islam is beautiful. It has brought me more peace than I ever thought that I would have in this world. Um, And I get very protective of it. But at the same time, you know. It's just a beautiful thing. It really is. And like my family doesn't know, but you know, <laughs> that's another episode.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's really just about you finding your own peace. Cause I'm going through that struggle as well of things that my family doesn't know, which I'm pretty sure they do know. They've always known, but it's just having a conversation with them. But that, like you said, is another conversation for another day. <laughs> But yeah, thank you for taking time out of your day to sit down and talk with me. Um, I really appreciate it. Do you want to like shout out, I don't know, your socials or anything? I know that that's something that people do on podcasts. Um, LOL. But no one has wanted to do it yet. So now <laughs> no. I just feel stupid asking. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, no. Um, yeah, sure. Follow me. Well, my page is private. So you go send a request. <laughs> But I'm gonna see you. I'm thinking about opening it up. But yeah, totally follow me. Send me questions if you have them. Like let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Uh my Instagram is they them joy because I identify as gender neutral or non-binary. Um, and it's they with a full stop them dot joy. Yeah, totes. Come into my life and let me love on you. Okay, well,
0: thank you, Joy, so much for this interview. Um, bye, y'all.
1: Bye. <laughs>